It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gessman, coming to you on a Monday, October 12th. Well, if you were expecting a game over the weekend like we all were, we were expecting the LA Galaxy to play the Colorado Rapids, that game didn't happen. It got postponed uh, another another positive coronavirus test for Colorado, which made four games that they had to reschedule. We're going to dive into that because it's now more than four games, and it is throwing the Western Conference and Major League Soccer into a tailspin. So we're going to talk about that, a little update on your international news, whether that is uh, Jonathan Dos Santos and Rolf Felcher or Sebastian Lundjet and Julian Araujo, possibly with the U.S. Men's National Team. We're going to talk about that as well. And uh, maybe, maybe I was wrong about 2017 and 2020. If you listen to the podcast on Thursday, maybe I was wrong. And maybe I now have some stats that sort of have, have twisted my arm in that direction. So you're going to want to stick around for that as well as we get you ready for a game that we're, I don't know, 75, 80% sure the LA Galaxy are going to play against the San Jose Earthquakes coming up on Wednesday, October 14th. So we'll get you ready for that game as well. To help me do all of it, it is the Panda himself, Mr. Kevin Baxter. Kev, how's it going, buddy? All right. Uh, don't be so sure about playing that game, the way things are going right now. Um, and by the way, this weekend with the postponement, that's five weekends in a row now the Galaxy have gone without a win. Yeah, yes. Yeah, I, I think some Galaxy fans were actually uh, uh, thrilled that they weren't going to lose this weekend. Uh, I got a bunch of tweets that says, hey, you know, you can't lose if you don't play. Uh, and and that's uh, that's that was sort of how that all, all drifted off. But I, I mean, you know, how are you doing personally? Are, are you are you busy right now? Did you have to you you're doing a lot of writing? You know, how's the family? We, we need to check in every once in a while. Oh, um, well, I just got back from Texas, as you know, doing some political reporting there. Uh, I had a long chat today with Sebastian Legette and Becky G. So a little bit of name dropping there. Yes. Nice. Um, that, that was fun. Uh, be talking tomorrow to uh, Tori Penso, who is the uh, well, is the, the first woman to be a center referee in an MLS match in the last 10 years. And she will work the center again this Wednesday when LAFC goes and plays in Portland. Um, so that's all. I'm looking forward to that. Um, a, a big story. MLS finally joining the Bundesliga and some of the big leagues in Europe in, in allowing women to be center referees. And really, think about it. What prevents them? I mean, uh, this uh, this particular official has already passed the fitness test that all the men take. If she can do everything the men can can do, and she's physically fit, why can't she be a center referee? I don't. I really don't understand. You know, women officials have been great sideline officials in MLS for a long time. Um, I think this is a really positive move, uh, letting them be center referees. I, and I shouldn't even say letting them be center referees acknowledging the fact that they are good center referees and can be good center referees yeah yeah no it's uh it, it, that's one of the things that you've been seeing a little bit more of which is uh long overdue um with ben olsen out in dc united there is a, a little hint of a uh, of a woman possibly coming in and and doing that as well did you have you heard that story a little bit there kevin well, I know you don't remember this, but you should. I, before the last World Cup, I wrote a story. Um, it actually ran on the front page of the paper, meaning the real front page, not the front page of sports, about how Jill Ellis is, is you know, could be the first woman coach in MLS or, or the first coach of a first division men's team anywhere in the world. And it, it, it's just 
doesn't make sense that that hasn't happened yet. Uh, you know, the, the X's and O's are the same, whether it's men or women. Certainly the men's game is a little bit faster and a little bit more physical, but the strategy is the same. Uh, you know, trying to inspire and influence players is pretty much the same. You know, the, re- the, the coaches don't go out there and knock heads with anybody. So the physical part is, is not big. And certainly Jill Ellis has a great mind for the game. One thing a lot of people may not know is uh, Jill Ellis took her licensing course to become a men's professional coach. Uh, she took it with a lot of MLS coaches. She's the first woman to take that that course and pass it. She got the highest score in the class. And some of the MLS coaches that were in that class with her said that she is every bit qualified to be an MLS coach. A couple of teams thought about hiring, hiring her as an assistant this year right. uh, and, and didn't do that. The problem in talking to other women coaches, the problem with it is you wind up in a situation where like a DC United or maybe San Jose or Vancouver, a team that's really struggling. That's why they fired their coach in the first place. That's right. why they have a vacancy. They're struggling. They hire a woman coach. She doesn't turn the team around immediately. And people say, see, we gave her a chance and she couldn't do it. Yeah. No, that's not the problem. That's not what happened. What happened is she took over a failing team, you know, that, that um, Alex Ferguson couldn't have saved. So it, Jill is very smart. In that, um, I've talked to her about this. She is going to make sure that if she accepts a job, that it's the right situation. Maybe the team is not winning now, but they're prepared to make some investments. They they have a plan going forward, um, kind of like what Bruce Arena did when he went into New England. That was a bad situation, but but they told him that they would uh, you know spare no resources in turning things around, and they did. If Joe gets a situation like that, there is no reason why she can't be an extremely successful. MLS coach and we've seen men coach women's teams all over the world why right. can't a woman coach a man's team yeah no it makes sense uh, maybe the LA Galaxy need to go after Jill Ellis uh, with the way the LA Galaxy are sliding maybe GBS doesn't have quite a hold on the uh, the seat that he should um, and so certainly we're going to talk about that and get going alright uh, let's get into this uh, the LA Galaxy was, uh, by yeah. the way before you get away from that too yes. far I did I did reach out to Jill and, and congratulated her and on being mentioned for the uh DC United job, hoping that she might say something like, yeah, I have an interview tomorrow or anything yeah, yeah. that I might be able to use for a story. And her response was, thanks, Kev. I was going to say, she's much too smart to fall for your like, you know, pedestrian little tricks. All right. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not, I'm not worried about Jill else. I'd be worried about you right now though. She's probably out flanking you somehow. So you should, you know, it's kind of like the Velociraptors. You need to look over your shoulder. Uh, that's the one that's going to get you. Jill is, uh, is supremely talented. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how that all goes down. Uh, but yeah, yeah, shifting gears to Colorado a little bit. Um, let's get into this. Uh, the LA Galaxy were scheduled to fly on Friday, which was already a change in travel schedule. We talked about it on Thursday. They were going to fly on Friday. It would be an overnight. They were going to play the game on Saturday, and then they were going to come back. And this was going to be the first game that the Colorado Rapids, uh, Colorado Rapids were going to play in uh, the last three games. They missed the first. September 23rd was the last time they yeah, played. Yeah, it would have been 15 days uh, between games, basically a half a month. Um, and so they missed three games prior to that, and that was uh, LAFC, Sporting Kansas City, and Portland, not necessarily in that order. Um, and so uh, they missed those games, and so it looked like the Galaxy game was going to be the first one. And then Friday afternoon, uh, got a little heads up that something was going down, and certainly it was on Twitter before I reported it, but it was it was coming on that they said that Colorado had another positive um, and that this match was going to get postponed. So that made four 
matches. We'll stick with the four matches and sort of describe that, Kevin, because well, you and I had some talking about even the four matches being a problem for Major League Soccer. Well, and let's. Uh, this is a big outbreak. This is five players and twelve co- uh, staff members, so seventeen people. I have. I, I don't know if you know the situation of any of these people. Whether they're, um, you know, I haven't heard of any hospitalizations. It doesn't sound like, from what I've heard that there's anybody in dire circumstances, certainly anyone who has the coronavirus, you know, they need to be careful. It's a, it's a very uh, dangerous disease and it can have long lasting impact. But as far as anyone in ICU or on a respirator, I haven't heard that it's to that degree yet, but certainly MLS is concerned because as you said, they did come out tonight and say that all of Colorado's games for the next 10 days are now postponed. So that brings the the total to seven. Uh, And another thing, when they, come back the the team has only trained they trained a little bit very lightly today that was their fourth training session since september 23rd and now they're they're, they've shut down everything for the next 10 days so that's four training sessions in a month they play at altitude and they're going to have to come back and if they're not going to finish the regular season by november 8th but they're going to have to come back and have 10 games to make up this is a team that's trained five times in a month so um you know, it's a really dicey situation now for MLS. Yeah, it seems to be that way. So um, there was already no room in that schedule for basically the rescheduling of the LAFC game before the, the November 8th deadline. Um, there was no room, therefore, whenever the LA Galaxies game got rescheduled um, before that no November 8th uh, you know, deadline day was when everything was going to shut off and you were going to have the end of the regular season and then you'd transfer into an international break and you would go in and start the playoffs. So there was already not room for the LAFC game. Now there's no room for the LA Galaxy game. Uh, all of the weekends and midweeks were booked all the way going forward. And then you get the additional three games MLS announced today. Now that's seven games that need to be made up and there's no room in the schedule for those seven games. So as we've been talking about many times before is that MLS sort of cooked something into this whenever they were talking about how they do standings and, and sort of what would happen if teams missed a game here or a game there. And we talked about, you know, sort of going up against and using points per game. Now, this was something that was discussed uh, well before, I think, the second stage of the schedule came out. It was sometime in September, wasn't it, Kevin? Whenever those Yeah, early September. Yeah, so they mentioned that in early September, and so we've sort of been going off of that, that if you're one or two games off, that, you know, perhaps this would be a way if they couldn't, you know, play all these games to get the most fair results. Having said that now, you have a team like Colorado that, like you said, Kevin, you know, has uh, has all these games that they have seven games that need to be rescheduled. Two of them already have been and are in the schedule, but they've been sort of, I think, pushed even for a second time whenever you look at how they've rescheduled some of these. Um, but basically, they have seven games they're going to have to make up and they don't have any place to go. So if you're going to look at the Colorado Rapids, which if you're an L.A. Galaxy fan, I'm sure you have looked at the Colorado Rapids because you've been saying the Colorado Rapids have haven't played since the end of September and somehow they still have more points than the LA Galaxy. Colorado currently is in 8th place in the Western Conference with 19 points. Their points per game is 1.46. The LA Galaxy are 12th in the Western Conference, dead last. Uh, They have 1 point per game uh, and have played 15 games. So you look at right now just as the standings sit as we're looking at them, Colorado has played 2 games less than the LA Galaxy. The LA Galaxy are missing basically three games because Colorado one of those games was Colorado as well so you look at this the t- most of the teams in the Western Conference have played 17 games or 16 games there's a smattering of 
15 games. FC Dallas and the LA Galaxy have 15 games. Um, and then there's Colorado with 13 games. So you're starting to see this variance across the Western Conference that's starting to grow. It's it's a bigger issue now than it ever was. And Kevin, if you're looking at the LA Galaxy and you're going to say, well, they're going to let Colorado in having played, um, if, they, if they go by points per game, having played as many possibly as seven less games or five less games than other people. And they're going to allow them in on points per game. I mean, for the LA galaxy, I think you'd certainly be saying, you know, that's you're, you're being hard done on this. Um, so there's a lot of questions about how valid you can keep the Western conference and how, how valid you can keep the Colorado Rapids um, in this Western conference uh, having missed so many games. I mean, this, well, this it's a, it's a large, it's a big gap now, Kevin. Well, let's pan back a little bit because when MLS uh, announced the return to play after uh, the tournament in Florida and they had the idea of the, uh, the points per game and they announced the schedule, the second phase of the schedule, they had uh, you know open dates in there knowing or expecting that games would have to be rescheduled. Uh, and and that's worked out pretty well. You know, there were the the, the games that were postponed uh, because of the protests on racial injustice, and the, the Galaxy still have a game they need to make up, which they will do in the, the last week of the season against Seattle. Um, there's still one more uh, Nashville uh, FC Dallas game that needs to be made up. Remember, those two teams did not play in Florida. So they had three group play games they had to make up. So that game is still to, to be made up. We had two more postponements this weekend. In addition to Colorado, we had Columbus at Orlando city and Minnesota United at FC Dallas. So now you see FC Dallas has two games to make up. There was, there was room in that schedule that MLS pr- purposely put in there. Yes, it's a very accelerated schedule, but there were makeup dates put in there. Uh, and that was a very smart thing. I think MLS knew that the chance of one or two games needed to be postponed because of a COVID problem or something. Uh, there was, you know, the, a good possibility of that. I don't think anyone ever expected one team to have seven games. And this brings up a lot of problems. First of all, let's say they decide, nope, Colorado, if you're going to go to the playoffs, you need to play all 23 games. Okay, well, first of all, when you look at the math, that's going to be really difficult. They're certainly not going to do it before November 8th, which is the when regular season ends. So they would have a, a between two and, and five games they would have to make up after the season ended with these other postponements. That would mean whoever they – that would mean in addition to the Colorado players who are put at a disadvantage having to play during the 11-day break – between the regular season and the playoffs, every other team gets 11 days off. Colorado would have to play in those in that gap, and so would teams that have to make up games, meaning the Galaxy, LAFC, Seattle, Kansas City. They all have to come and play games at altitude to make up for Colorado allowing 17 people to get infected with COVID. So that puts the Galaxy and LAFC and, and other Seattle at a disadvantage for something that they didn't cause. That's one problem. Second problem is... If you force Colorado to make up all those games, again, a team that's trained four or five times in the last month, somebody's going to get hurt. You just cannot play that many games, especially with half of them at altitude, and expect everyone to just come out of that fine. So that's a second problem. MLS might have to move the start of the playoffs back a little bit. They've already said they're not moving the MLS Cup, which is December 12th. So then that squeezes the playoffs. Do you really want your teams playing the most important games of the year with one or two days rest? Another thing with playing in that gap between the playoffs is teams are going to lose their best players to uh, the international break. So do you want, uh, you know, uh, do you want the Galaxy playing without Rolf Felcher, without Jonathan Dos Santos? Is it fair for LAFC to play without four players, including Diego Rossi, 
you know, a likely MVP. It's not fair to have them do that again, all because of things that happened with Colorado. But the other alternative, the the one you talked about, which is what Don Garber said at the start of this, you know, extended schedule, was we're going to decide this by points per game. I think what he was thinking is if. Uh, they did this uh, years ago in one season when I think there were teams that played 26 and some teams played 27 games. This was two decades ago, um, and that worked out fine. But we're not talking about a team missing one or two games. We're talking about Colorado potentially missing two to five games, if not more. Right? Is it fair to have a team play 18 or 19 games and have a better points per game than a team that played 23 games and they advanced the playoffs? If if they did that right now, just with the, if the season ended right now, as you mentioned. Colorado has played 13 games. There are four teams behind Colorado in the standings that have played four more games. Colorado right now in points per game is fifth in the Western Conference. It's not fair to have them go to the playoffs as the fifth place team when they haven't played, uh, you know, when they've played four fewer games than the other teams. It's just not fair. Yeah, I mean, and and that sort of brings brings everybody back to a conversation that you and I had uh, whenever this started to happen. And we said, and and I think I remember talking to you and saying, hey, so, you know, but what happens? We said, okay, they might be okay if it's just this Galaxy game. But now if it's more than the Galaxy game, you know, then what happens? And I said uh, that there's going to, somebody at MLS is going to have to make a hard decision. And that hard decision is going to have to be that Colorado needs to be um, you know, forfeited these games. They need to forfeit the games, and they can play the games that they can play at the end. But if they're going in, um, it's just it, you can't keep the competitive balance in an already not competitively balanced game. I guess that's the counter argument to it, Kevin. Is that you're already not playing everybody? You're already not, you know, having a very balanced schedule within the Western Conference. And having done that, knowing that you're not playing balanced, does it really matter that Colorado didn't? But yeah, it does because at least if you're playing the games, you're playing the games that are put in front of you, right? With Colorado and and the outbreak that they've had, I mean, you saw it in the MLS's back tournament. What happened in Nashville and Dallas? They bumped them out, right? They said, nope, this isn't going to work. Now, they got to make up those games because they had time to do so, right? But there's no time to make up these games anymore. You can't do that. So, in my mind, MLS has to make a hard decision, and that hard decision is that Colorado needs to forfeit the games that they can't play, um, and that you know November eighth really is the deadline for that for those those games. It has to be. You have to hold people to it. There's an international break, as you said, um, between the deadline day and the start of the playoffs. You need to be able to allow everybody in this crazy time and this ridiculously compact schedule that they've had towards the end of the year uh, to have a little bit of rest before they go into the playoffs. Um, otherwise, it, it's more successful by attrition um, than anything else that you've seen. And, and maybe that's a good test of this year is that the team that comes out on the top is a good soccer team and they somehow survived through 23 games. Or if you're Colorado, you know, uh, you survived through 17 or 18 games. Um, but somebody has to make a decision on this because simply just kicking the can down the road, which is what MLS has been doing, um, isn't going to work for the Colorado Rapids and isn't going to work for the Western Conference. You need to make a decision on this. Well, I, I mean... Yeah, and I think that's the poison pill that MLS is going to have to think about. Uh, I, no one could have foreseen this kind of scenario coming up where one one team and one team only would miss this many games. Um, MLS could luck out on this, and by that I mean uh, it would be a horrible situation for, for Colorado and their supporters because you know right now they have a winning record. They've been having a pretty good season. But let's say they come back and they're able to play five games. Again, they haven't trained at all. They play most of their games at altitude. If they were to come back and play – four games, five games, 
and they were to win, say, one of them. And, and so they would have six wins, but then they would also have uh, eight or nine losses. It's possible that their points per game would drop below the line to make the playoffs. In other words, MLS would then be able to say, oh, we're going to points per game. Look, Colorado, you didn't make it too bad. Yeah. Um, that I mean, that's I, I realize that the, the odds in that are pretty long, but then MLS would, would come out looking pretty good, like, hey, we gave everyone a shot and they just didn't make it. it the situation would be as if you go to points per game and they're still in sixth or seventh place, uh, having played only 18 or 19 games, then what do you do? I think I, I agree with you. I mean, I think the only fair thing is you you eliminate them, uh, be, force them to forfeit those games and forfeit those points. Um, I, I don't know how the outbreak happened. But I do know that it's 17 people that are, uh, you know, affiliated with the Rapids. It's not 17 people with the Galaxy. It's not 17 people with Real Salt Lake. Um, so something happened in Colorado, and it's unfair to make the other teams pay the price for that. Yeah, and, and that's sort of where it comes down to is, is, again, you know, just have them forfeit the games they can't play, which is you have to give three points to the other teams. Now, listen, I understand. People are going to say, well, that benefits the LA Galaxy. Yeah, it does. Um, it also benefits anybody who had games that needed to be rescheduled, um, you know, during that time. And it's not just, again, if this was one game or two games, Kevin, as as we sort of saw, um, we were like, okay, this this makes some sense. If it was one game or two games, you're like, okay, no problems. We, we got this. Um, but clearly there's something going on in, in Colorado, and it's not something it's, I feel that they have any control over, or they're, they're just the most unluckiest people in the world. Um, it's not like uh, uh, Sam Johnson over there at Real Salt Lake throwing parties for hundreds of people. Um, if you haven't heard that story, by the way, you should go snoop around on Twitter and uh, and go find out about Real Salt Lake's designated player uh, who threw a party for hundreds of people uh, multiple times uh, and then apparently wasn't there whenever shots were fired. But really, just some crazy soap opera soap opery stuff but when you're looking at this you're looking at the colorado rapids it's going to be an issue and it's going to be a bigger issue as we get closer and closer to the finish line so it's something we wanted to touch on and sort of expand through here because it is going to the la galaxy are going to have an effect on this and the la galaxy need to win some games that way one they can get some points but also the points drive that points per game and kevin the points per game are going to become important in here whether it's for tiebreakers or anything else um so the la galaxy need to win games i don't think that's a that's a surprise to anybody nor is it you know some shocking statement um it, it needs to it needs to start happening it needs to start happening now and they're in a week when quite honestly they should have six points from the next two games having said that this la galaxy team is beyond uh the ability to guess what they're going to do and just when you count them out just whenever you're sure that they're done uh you know they can win some games although they've only proved they can do that once so but uh, you don't you know what though it, it the, the, the Colorado, if the scenario with Colorado, if they forfeit, whatever, if they drop down, that doesn't necessarily guarantee anything for the Galaxy because, as you said, they're in last place. Even if Colorado were to drop down, the Galaxy still has to climb over Real Salt Lake, Vancouver, and Houston right. to get into a playoff spot. So it doesn't guarantee anything. Now, I, I do think there's some good news in the Galaxy. Um, you know, and I, I use the term good news advisedly. Nothing's good about this situation, but if you want to look for positives, there are a couple of pauses for the Galaxy. One is they didn't go to Colorado and waste a day in an airplane for a game that wasn't played. That's one. Right. Um, two, they talked in the last game, that 6-3 to three disaster. They talked after that. A lot of players talked about the need to get back onto the training pitch and to work things out. They, they said that the, you know there are, there are things they need to work on. They know what they are. They felt like they had identified some of the problems. They needed to work on that. By not playing a game Friday, I think they had a full week of training uh, to work on some of those things. Let's hope that they use that to their benefit. Uh, and then the schedule helps them because without going to Colorado, 
their next three games, well, you could actually include the fourth game, the 6-3 loss was also at home. Um, their next three games starting now is are all in Southern California. They play Vancouver at home. They play San Jose at home first. And then they play LAFC at Bank of California. So they don't leave LA for another two weeks they don't leave southern california for another two and a half weeks so again they get to sleep in their bed they get to train through they don't have travel days that they're going to lose um this is all to the good for the galaxy uh you know if they have a chance to turn that around this might be the place where they do it and and the other thing i like about wednesday's game is it's a real measuring stick they're playing san jose for the third time now they played the first two games on that horrible turf up in San Jose, they get San Jose here now. But it, it, the last two times they played them, there was the scoreless draw and then the two to one game that the Galaxy lost on the late penalty kick. So if the Galaxy were to come in and to beat them and beat them soundly, we'd be able to use that as a measuring stick and say, yes, the team has improved greatly. If they if they struggle again and lose a tight game, or even if they win a game, say one to nothing, you know, maybe they haven't improved all that much. Maybe they need to go back to the training pitch for another week and work on some other stuff. Yeah, it, it allows them to focus on it. By the way, this is the fourth time they'll play San Jose this year, right? Because they won the uh, the first one August 29th. The Galaxy here, won, yeah, here. at home, 3-2. to two, And then, like you but said, that was in the day. middle of that. That was in the middle of that winning streak. So Yes, it was. It's kind of like the Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. That was the Dr. Jekyll part. Yeah, it was a. W w however, it was it was uh, it was good, and now it's been nothing since. The only games, by the way, I would like to point this out. The only games the LA Galaxy have won all season, Kevin, came during the four-game winning streak. That's it. That's it. There haven't been any other games. There were no other surprises out there. The LA Galaxy have not won a game outside of those four games coming out of the bubble. That was it. But you know what? Those four games. I mean, they beat LAFC. Now has a winning record. They have appeared to have worked some stuff out. Two of those wins were against LAFC, one against Portland, second in the conference now. Um, San Jose game, maybe a little bit of an outlier, but um, the Galaxy played well in those games against good teams. Going forward, they have San Jose and Vancouver uh, and then and then LAFC. So the next two games are against teams that are struggling a little bit. And the Galaxy seem to play down against those teams yeah. and seem to play up a little bit against better teams, at least for portions of the game. Yes, we know in, in that last game with Portland, they gave up a ton of goals late in the game, and the, the result was probably a lot worse than the game really was. Um, but they hang with some of these tough teams for long periods. Uh, and if they get a break or two that goes their way, Speaking of that 6-3 to three game, I think you were the first one to do the math on that. The Galaxy in franchise history have given up six goals five times. Three of those games have been in the last three seasons with David Bingham in goal all three times. It was uh, 2018 was one and then two this year. Yeah, yeah, it was that. And there was one in 2017 and then the last and the first one was in 2009. So the LA Galaxy uh, from the start of 1996 did not give up a six-goal game in the regular season. Because um, I didn't check the uh, the post game season or the uh, the playoffs um, in the regular season uh, did not give up a six goal game until 2009. Uh, then it went 2017, 2018, two and 2020. So um, yeah, some interesting stuff to sort of look at. Let's get to um, the international players uh, a little bit and talk about Rolf Elcher and Jonathan Dos Santos. Jonathan Dos Santos played um, for Mexico. Came in in the 62nd minute uh, after uh, Mexico went up one to nothing on a penalty kick um, against the Netherlands. Against the Dutch, 
and Mexico ended up winning. So uh, not a big sort of, you know, involvement there for Jonathan Dos Santos. Um, came on, you know, sort of to secure the lead and, and, and slow things down. I think that he probably accomplished that. Didn't see any injuries or anything like that. So uh, he'll play again, as will Rolf Felcher uh, tomorrow on Tuesday. So 10-13, uh, October 13th, it's Mexico versus Algeria. That is a 12 p.m. Pacific time kickoff. I believe that international friendly you'll be able to find on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, if you scroll down and you see Rolf Felcher with Venezuela, uh, Venezuela lost 3 to nothing to Colombia in a World Cup qu- qualifier. Um, so that was not the start. Uh, Rolf came on in the 79th minute with, uh, with things already decided there. Uh, Colombia had scored, I think, all three goals in the first half. So uh, that was there. And then they'll play 10-13 uh, versus Paraguay. So it'll be a 3 p.m. kickoff time. That one, will, I don't think, is on ESPN+. Plus. That's one of the uh, the Conmobile games that you have to pay extra for and, and everybody's been complaining about. So you probably won't get to watch that game unless there's an illegal stream somewhere. In that case, watch away. Um, some of the money hoarding that is going on in, in soccer right now is, is kind of ridiculous. So uh, have fun and enjoy those games. But really what we wanted to point out again is that they play on 10-13. Kevin, if they leave, and both of these are earlier in the day, so you would expect that there is a chance for them to leave and then be back in the United States sometime, which would then start their 10-day quarantine, which is what we're expecting um, you know, to have happen. There's been no, as far as we know, accommodations made by MLS to not have a 10-day quarantine whenever those guys come back, which means they'll obviously miss the game on Wednesday. They wouldn't have been re- ready for that one anyway. Uh, they'll miss the game on Wednesday. They'll miss the game on Sunday. Um, and then best case scenario is that they're back for the game against LAFC, but it's right on the borderline and it kind of depends on when they're able to come back and they probably haven't trained for 10 days, although they might be able to train sort of, you know, on their own off to the side or however they can, uh, they can do some of those things, but the quarantine has to be in place for 10 days. So it'll be interesting to see if Jonathan Dos Santos uh, will make it back for that LAFC game, which is uh, a certainly an interesting game to come back on. Yeah, he's going to have a tougher time, I think, making it back from Europe than Ralph Felcher would. Uh, Bob Bradley, by the way, the LAFC coach, he's planning to have his four internationals ready to play in the in the Galaxy game, or at least he thinks he agrees with you. He did the math the same way you did and said that you know they could suit up and be be you know uh, uh, you know ready to be selected for that game. But there's another thing with the Venezuela game. Venezuela, as you said, with Ralph Felcher plays Paraguay. Paraguay in its first qualifier in this session played Peru. Uh-huh. Peru had a COVID-19 outbreak. So I, I first of all, I wonder if the Paraguay-Venezuela game will go forward. And I wonder if it's putting any of the Venezuelan players, you know, in, in danger playing Paraguay who just played Peru. And then of course, as you were talking, as you and I were talking before the, the podcast started, um, one of the players on Peru that, that, that did test positive is Raul Ruiz Diaz of yeah. Seattle, yep. uh, MVP candidate, um, and the, probably the best player on the defending MLS cup champions. Um, that could, I mean, we don't know his condition. If, if it's, if he's simply has a mild case and is not really showing any, any effect and, and needs to quarantine, you know, that would certainly be the best case scenario. And he would probably then start his quarantine 10 days to 14 days, probably start his quarantine. Uh, well, I guess he couldn't travel, though. I guess that's the big problem. He yeah. would have to stay where he is, yep. quarantine there. And then when he comes back to the U.S., I don't know if he would have to quarantine for another 10 days. Oh. If that were the case, he could miss the rest of the regular season. This- I'm sure I'm sure Seattle would argue to say, hey, he quarantined in Peru. Yes. We'll send a private plane down to pick him up. Yeah. He doesn't need to quarantine again. But if if... If the U.S. authorities don't buy that, 
you know, well, he would have to quarantine another 10 days when he got back. Well, I mean, it depends on, I think it depends on where you're coming from and where you're going to land in, whether or not you have a quarantine when you land. Um, for the most part, the United States government on a national level doesn't have a quarantine rules set in place, which is one of the reasons that uh, it seems that FIFA sort of mandated that MLS release its players. This was the worst nightmare of players. And I, I saw people, there's always some smart people on Twitter who want to tell me, well, teams never want to release their players. And it's like, listen, there was a real reason this time uh, why they didn't want to release them. They spent all this time trying to keep these guys in a bubble and try to keep these guys safe and to see them go out. I mean, you know, Jonathan Dos Santos, uh, Rolf Felcher, and whether or not you like Rolf Felcher or not, it doesn't really matter. He, you know, if if he gets uh, exposed, if Venezuela then goes into quarantine, then you're not going to have a right back. And if something should happen to Julian Rajo, say, I don't know, too many yellow cards, um, then, you know, you're going to have a problem and a hole back there that was created solely because uh, FIFA sort of mandated that uh, that these games be played uh, for international duty. I think they erred. Um, I, I will say it. I know why they did it. I, I probably feel like they said that they had no choice, um, but also Conmobile erred um, in trying to have World Cup qualifiers during this time as well. So uh, there's going to be a lot of this, uh, especially through the, through the winter, I have a feeling, and, and just trying to navigate some of these things that you think, well, it has to go forward. Nothing has to go forward. Um, everybody, I think, needs to take a little bit of a breath on this stuff. And remember, you know, global pandemic uh, things are getting worse, not better at the current time, and that you still have to deal with this stuff and taking people out of bubbles or out of the environment where they feel safe and know how to protect themselves is always a bad idea right now. Um, so for international players, uh, that's going to be something uh, it might it, it's not going to affect. I don't think we were talking, Kevin, before this, you wanted to give a little update on the U.S. men's national team, mostly because Sebastian Legette um, and possibly Julian Araujo might get called up to uh, the U.S. men's national team. What was the latest on that and how did that come about? Because it was kind of an interesting little story. Yeah, I was on a conference call with Serginho Dest uh, from Barcelona this morning and uh talking about how he's part of this young group of national team players and how exciting it is play with Weston McKinney and Christian Pulisic and uh, you know, all these great young players that are coming up. Um, and someone asked him, one of the reporters asked about wanting to get back with the national team and, and are they, are they talking to each other through social media and, and visiting? And he said, yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing those guys again. We're going to have games in November uh, in Wales, and then we're going to play Australia uh, I believe that's November 13th in London. So the U.S. soccer had been denying that anything had been agreed to uh, and they didn't uh, release any dates. Serginho gave it all away and said that it will uh, that the U.S. national team will have a training camp in November, will play two friendlies. Um, it sounds like, though, that it will be a international camp only, meaning it, European players. Uh, there, there are now, by the way, uh, this is a, a kind of a historic moment for U.S. soccer. We now have enough players playing for top teams in Europe that we can have a training camp and two friendlies with players only from Europe. We don't have to call anybody up from uh, MLS. And I think that's probably what's going to happen. Greg Berhalter, a, you know, former MLS player and, co and assistant coach with the Galaxy, former head coach at Columbus, has really good relationships with MLS. I don't think he's going to insist that that Michael Bradley fly over to Europe to sit on the bench and then come back and do a 10 day quarantine and miss the playoffs for Toronto. So I, I think you're going to see that. I think the U S will have a camp. They will have two friendlies. I don't think anybody on an MLS team in the playoffs will be called up. Now it's possible if the galaxy don't make it, um, that maybe Sebastian Legette would fly over there to, to participate in the last few days of the training camp, maybe Julian Araujo as well. Um, that's kind of a long shot. I don't think uh, anybody would want the player to make that kind of a, last minute arrangement 
uh, certainly that's a possibility, but I think that the U.S. is going to go forward and play those games, and MLS players will not be part of that. And, and you know what? That's kind of fair because anybody that Greg wanted to get a look at from MLS, he was at the tournament in Orlando. He watched every game from the sidelines. He got a good look at all the players uh, in the player pool that are in MLS. And then they did have an MLS-only camp uh, early in the year and played their only game of the season, February 1st, at at uh, uh, at uh, uh, Dignity Health Sports Park. So he's he's had a chance to see the MLS players. Now he gets a chance to see the European players. That's kind of fair. And I think I, I don't think he's going to hurt a team's playoff chances by calling somebody up at that time of year and then forcing them to do a ten day quarantine and miss their first playoff game. Yeah, that's always uh, always a fun thing. All right. So uh, so there's your international update. Jonathan Dos Santos, uh, Rolf Felcher missing the next two games, uh, possibly back for the LAFC game. Uh, so there you can sort of mark your calendars down for that if you're interested in that. Uh, let's get now to uh, to me and why I was wrong. And I, I know lots of people enjoy this. Um, I do too, actually, because uh, anytime you can sort of look at stats or, or sort of, you know, take things and, and be able to look at them a different way, um, I think helps you. Uh, and so I'm not somebody who's ever going to be married to any opinion. Um, if there's new information, by the way, nobody ever should be. If you learn more stuff, if you have things that should change your mind or change your opinion on something, you should change your mind and change your opinion having an unwavering opinion doesn't make you smart uh makes you stubborn um and you can be right but you can also be very 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 wrong and get more wrong as you go on so i instead of getting more wrong this time i think i'm going to try to adjust some things so i went over some stats uh and you know that i keep a whole bunch of charts and some different things and it's just ways that sort of help me compare other la galaxy teams uh and that way it takes any sort of emotion um, out of you know what you're seeing and and certainly with this LA Galaxy team my emotions tell me that this LA Galaxy team is so much better than the 2017 team uh, that there's no way that really you should even be comparing them um, and then when you look at the stats good god they're mirror images of each other so I'm going to go through a couple things that I've been tracking and so what you can sort of see uh, and explain to you what I saw as well. We always talk about designated player minutes and I talk about, uh, you know, total available minutes. Uh, so through 15 games, if you take 15 games, you multiply it by 90 minutes, Kevin, you get 1,350 minutes. It's, that's pretty easy math. Everybody can do that. So then you look and see how many, how many minutes has a player played as a percentage of that, right? And so if you go to somebody like Christian Pavone, who has played every minute of every game through 15 games... He has 1,350 total minutes. His percentage play is 100%. Uh, that's rare that you're seeing that from a designated player. And I went back to whenever I was keeping track all the way back to 2018, um, which is sort of whenever I started tracking these particular things. And in 2018, you had three designated players. And then I, I called it, Kevin, you had two MVPs on that team as well. Uh, you had Ola Kamara, right? And you had Zlatan Ibrahimovic, both of which were not designated players, uh, but both of which probably should have counted as designated players as you look at it. Uh, Giovanni Dos Santos, Jonathan Dos Santos, and Roman Alessandrini were the three designated players in 2018. Uh, Giovanni Dos Santos played 26.9% of the total minutes. Jonathan Dos Santos played 62.4%. Roman Alessandrini uh, played 62.7% for a total from your designated players of 50.7% played. So basically the designated players only played half of the total minutes available uh, in 2018. If you if you want to look at Ola Kamara and Zlatan Ibrahimovic, Ola Kamara, Kevin, played 87.9% of the minutes, and Zlatan Ibrahimovic played 79.4% of the total minutes. If you add all those guys together and average everything out, so the three DPs and the MVPs, the LA Galaxy and those five players played 63.5% of the total minutes. That's not, that's not a lot. 
Um, but it, it actually is probably better than in a lot of cases what you have been seeing in, in recent years too. Um, and mostly because there have been injuries on these teams. And when there have been injuries to the designated players, Kevin, as we've seen, the total available minutes that you have them out on the field uh, drops significantly. Um, so in 2019, the average with Zlatan Ibrahimovic, Jonathan Dos Santos, and Roman Alessandrini was 59.2%. So it you know, uh, came down just a little bit from that 63.5%. Um, and that was mostly due to Roman Alessandrini, who only played 9.2% of the total minutes. You had Zlatan at 85, and you had Jonathan Dos Santos at 83. Um, so now, let's get to 2020 and where the designated players have, have sort of fared. We know Christian Pavone has played 100%. Javier Hernandez Chicharito has played 44.3%, and Jonathan Dos Santos has played a total of 35.7%. So right now, the LA Galaxy, mostly on the back of Christian Pavone, Kevin, uh, hovering, hovering right around 60% of your de- of the total available minutes are, are being played by the DPs um, in this. This is, this is a huge deal for me uh, when you look at this, because if you go back and remember David Beckham, if you go back and remember Landon Donovan or Robbie Keane, Right, you had some of these the, the designated players. They were on the field all the time for the LA Galaxy. Um, yeah, they had injuries on occasion. Yeah, they missed some games. But you go back and try to find this. You know, certainly David Beckham uh, had some some massive injuries that, that caused him to be out. Um, but the LA Galaxy really didn't have success until he came back and, and was healthy. This is a problem in 2020, and it's going to be a problem going forward if the LA Galaxy can't keep their most talented players on the field. You get three of them, Kevin. You need to get more than 60 percent of the total available minutes from these guys. Cause that means 40% of the time they're not playing. Uh, that to me is something that, that bounces just crazy sort of off the head uh, right now. Well, I, yeah, but that's not the beat all and end all to this because I mean, I agree with you, your best play, best paid players should be your most effective players and should have the biggest impact. But let's just say, you know, Jonathan Dos Santos has missed a lot of time this year. Julian Araujo is playing. Uh, you're getting more than you probably expected out of Julian Araujo. You know, I, that might make up for it. I mean, I think you can still be a successful team if your three DPs are not playing well, if the other guys step up. So um, the the designated player performance is only part of the problem. And by the way, we didn't even mention with the one of the things that the uh, postponement in Colorado did is it, it uh, freed Chicharita from having to make a decision. Does he spend two days in Colorado with without his, uh, you know, leaving his wife and newborn, uh, you know, week old baby? Uh, to be with the team, that decision was made for him. I totally, I fully expect that he's going to be there Wednesday, ready to play and go 90 minutes. So, yep. you, know, uh, you know, Ethan Zubak goes back to the bench. But I, I mean, I think if, if the rest of the players are performing, you can overcome that. Um, it's not ideal, um, uh, but you can overcome that. I mean, I think when you look at whether a team's successful or not, it, it, goes beyond the designated players it doesn't though and and that's sort of the thing is whenever you see these really good teams right it's it's usually on the backs of of two or more designated players right and the la galaxy have had almost an impossible time of keeping their designated players on the field i mean zlatan ibrahimovic played 85 percent of the minutes that's what you need out of that yeah yeah but remember the first year he wasn't a designated player so are you saying that that his you somehow look at his contribution that first season differently because he was not a designated player. I think you look at the payroll and say, our payroll is $20 million or $15 million, whatever it is. And our team won or lost. You don't break it down and say, uh, this guy making a hundred thousand dollars, um, you know, did really well. And this other guy making $7 million didn't do so well. The payroll is the payroll. It's not going to change. It's the performance of the team that depends on it. And you and I have argued about this before, and 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 uh, you know I continue to be right, as you know, mm-hmm. that the payroll is the payroll. And and uh, if your best paid player 
is not performing. Like we've had this discussion before, and I know that you and Eric have too. If Chicharito is not performing at six million dollars, and Zubek is, right. you play Zubek and you sit Chicharito down. Your payroll doesn't change. The performance of the team does. I, I think just throwing the guy out on the field if he's ineffective just because he's your highest paid player, I don't think that helps your team. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly an argument for that whenever Robbie Keane and, and Steven Gerrard at, at one point towards the end of their time uh, with the LA Galaxy were probably better on the bench than they were on the field. And maybe that was wrong. Maybe you go back and say, no, that didn't make sense. It made sense at the time, um, certainly. But, I mean, I did quantify Ola Kamara and Zlatan Ibrahimovic. You, you want to talk about the the player, uh, a player the LA Galaxy missed more than anything? is It's Ola Kamara. He played almost 90% of the total available minutes and had an unbelievable impact on the 2018 team. Um, he wasn't a designated player, but he did. I mean, you know, you look at... No, he was the most unselfish player. He and Ramon, or uh, Ramon Alessandrini, were so unselfish. Remember what Kamara that year was asked to do about 16 different things? I think the only thing they didn't ask him to do was play goalie. Um, they wanted him to be a striker. They wanted him to be the, the withdrawn striker. They wanted him on the wing. They wanted him almost in the center of the midfield. They wanted him to do all these different things, and he did all of it. I think that had a big uh, impact on his decision to leave for China. He wasn't going to go through it another season like that again without having a defined role that he was expected to fill. Well, I mean, you know, that was sort of his peak, though. He goes to China and uh, and doesn't really play all that much, and then uh, he ends up coming back to Major League Soccer, and you haven't seen sort of peak Ola Kamara since, so maybe the no. LA Galaxy did it sort of at the right time. Who knows how, how that sort of goes, but yeah, I mean, you need to get something out of your designated players, and seeing that Jonathan Dos Santos only has played 35.7% of the total minutes right now is a huge issue, and we've talked about Jonathan Dos Santos and being an integral part of this LA Galaxy Galaxy team, you can't replace him whenever he's playing well. Now, he hasn't been playing well, and we've been, I think, pretty clear about him not playing well. And if he's not going to play well, then it's not going to matter. Then he shouldn't be on the field. I agree with that. Um, but for somebody like Chicharito, who's only played, you know, 44.3% of the total minutes, it's, it's again, it's an issue of how much payroll are you going to have not performing? Because really, you can say that your payroll is $20 million, but whenever I have, you know, uh, $7 million sitting on the bench that isn't performing between Jonathan Dos Santos and Javier Hernandez, um, that's going to hurt your team. It absolutely hurts no, your team oh, because it, that it, $7 million should be going somewhere else. No, it, there's no doubt it hurts the team. I'm just saying I think you can overcome that. But um, it, it depends on the individual, especially if the guy who's making a lot of money and he's not performing and then goes into the clubhouse uh, or the dressing room and complains about not getting playing time and stuff. And, uh, you know, it, 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 I think it depends a lot how the player accepts that. Um, but, but, yeah, you're right in, in the sense that it shows poor management. And I think you can make a real case that the Galaxy have – been wrong a lot more than they've been right when yes. you look at recent designated players pavone i think they're, they're they're getting their money's worth certainly chicharito who i'm a big fan of so far has been a bust jonathan dos santos i think has been until this season you know he's probably earned his money geo was a bust uh zolatan was really good yeah uh, Ro roman i think for the most part was was pretty positive but then you go back and you get into jermaine jones i, I I guess he was never actually a DP, but he was very high salaried. I thought he was a bust. Um, uh, you know, you almost have to go back to the Bruce Arena years. Yes. Uh, the earlier Bruce Arena years. Not The last one, I think, Gerard uh, certainly didn't boss. earn his money his last season. I, I, Robbie Keane uh, was effective for much of that season. I don't think you can really have a – I don't think you really should quibble with Robbie Keane because no. he was so good for <laughs> so long. Yes, he was. He, you know, you give him, a, give him a three or four months off that last season. But uh, uh, my point is since, say, it's 2015, 2016 – 
I think the Galaxy had have, have got it wrong a lot more than they've got it right, and I think they've wasted a ton of money. Well, 2017 was their wooden spoon year, um, and so you know, sort of looking at that, we look at goal projections, right? And I've told you I sort of do the straight goal projection, which says over 34 games, how many how many goals are you going to allow, and how many goals are you going to score? We're doing that over 34 games, even for a 23 game season, because it allows us to compare what that would have possibly been in a 34 game season. Obviously, it can never be exact, but we can guess. So. Uh, right now, the LA Galaxy through 15 games um, are projected to give up 47.6 goals in a 34-game season. Excuse me, um, are, are projected to score 47.6 goals through in a 34-game season, and are projected to give up 68 goals um, in a 34-game season. If we go back to 2017, the LA Galaxy gave up 45 goals. Or excuse me, the LA Galaxy scored 45 goals, so they're they're scheduled to, uh, right now predicted to score about two more, three more, um, and they allowed 60, uh, 67 goals. So uh, right now the Galaxy are scheduled, um, or at least predicted to give up 68 goals in a 34 game season. Those stats are almost on top of each other, and it sort of bucks the trend of the Galaxy getting a little bit better as they've been going. 2017 was worse, 2018 was better, and then 2019 was was um, you know the best. Uh, sort of whenever you look at the defense and, and how they've been doing in those last three years. So those stats mirror almost exactly what 2017 was, uh, which is an interesting uh, sort of way to look at both the goal scoring and the goals against. Um, let me go a little bit further into this. The LA Galaxy in points per game right now are at one point per game. We talked about that earlier. If they finish the season right now, Kevin, which they're not going to, but if they finished it right now, the LA Galaxy would have the second worst points per game in franchise history. The, the the worst was in 2017 when they finished with 0.94 points per game. Uh, outside of that, if you go back to 2006, 2007, and 2008, both very bad years, it was 1.22, 1.13, 1 1.1 in those years. So you're, you're flirting with the bad years more than you're flirting with the good years. And quite honestly, the one and the 0.94 between 2020 and 2017 sit right on top of each other. Now, how many wins would they have? Because at 15 games, they're already at four wins. So you double that, they're, they're, they're at eight, which is what they had in 2017, and there's with still four games unaccounted for. So their record would be a little bit better. on a per, If you did the math right now, their record would be a little bit better, right, if you projected out over a 34-game season. Yeah, yeah, probably it would probably be real close to being just a little bit better, maybe one win, um, you know, sort of on, on either side of that, and we'll, we'll take a, a little bit more look at that. But you talked about just going through 15 games. So let's talk about 15 games and how 2017 did in, tw in 15 games or how other franchise or how other years in LA Galaxy franchise history have sort of matched up to that. So the LA Galaxy sit with 15 points from 15 games in 2017 the la galaxy had 22 points in 15 games all right if you go back to 2007 uh which is a year that's worse than the uh, than this one it was 14 points from 15 games all right only the years 1997 which had 10 points 2006 which had nine points and 2007 which had 14 points have been worse than this la galaxy team through 15 games um, so if you take all those years through 15 games, only three other times have the LA Galaxy been worse, and it wasn't even 2017 when they won uh, the Wooden Spoon, finished with the worst record in Major League Soccer. So that's not you, good. You, no, you know what? That makes me think about it. It's, I, in my mind, I'm circling back to how we started this whole pod, which is the, the Colorado situation. If the Galaxy continue this way, 
uh, and don't make the playoffs and say Colorado does somehow, uh, it, it to me that takes a lot of the steam out of the Galaxy argument. It's like if you want to make the playoffs, you have to play well. Don't try to sneak in because some other team can't play all their games. I mean, again, I'm not saying that that's fair. I'm just saying that right. it, it takes a lot of the steam away from the argument. The Galaxy can't say, oh, we had such a good season and we our playoff uh, – birth was stolen from us no no you had a chance and you averaged the point a game yeah no i mean there that's that's sort of whenever you're you start really looking at this so uh let's look at the away points and the home points all right so basically how the la galaxy do on the road versus how they do at home and what the historical averages for those are uh the la galaxy right now on the road are averaging 1.14 points per game the average on that is 1.2 so historical across the entire la galaxy history the la galaxy have averaged one point two zero points per game on the road in 2017 they finished with 1.06 in some of their best years 2010 was one of the best they finished with two points per game um, on the road which is crazy Uh, in 1998 it was 2.44 that was shootout era so we normally you don't really talk about that I mean they've had horrible years in 2003 they finished with 0.4 points per game on the road so the 1.14 points per game they currently have on the road is very close to that average so if you're looking at that, you have to say, okay, it's not the road, so what is it? It's home, and home is bad uh, for the LA Galaxy. As a matter of fact, in 2017, uh, the LA Galaxy's points per game at home was 0.82. All right, right now, Kevin, uh, as we stand through 15 games, uh, and however many home games that is, I, I forgot exactly how many it is. I'm sure you can count them while I'm going over this. Um, it is uh, the LA Galaxy sit at 0.88 points per game at home the only one lower than that is 2017 in point eight two. so if nothing changed and the la galaxy sort of just rode out and sort of and maintained this average uh the la galaxy would basically finish second worst ever at home for an la galaxy franchise um and the average by the way for the la galaxy at home kevin is 1.88 so the la galaxy a full point under their historical average for points per game at home it's it's not a you know the fortress that is dignity health sports park has not been a fortress for a considerable amount of time and and that sort of just tips it off well, right there let me tell you why that means absolutely nothing yes because at least one of those games perhaps two in florida have counted as a home game the Correct. other one road game that's a neutral site there's no fans there um you're playing in weather that is unlike weather anywhere else basically in mls uh, you know, the heat and the humidity and playing at uh, midnight. Um, so you can throw those three games out, whether they're home or on the road. And then you talk about the fortress that is Dignity Health Sports Park. And yes, the Galaxy have not performed uh, as they have historically at home. But, you know, remember, they're playing without fans. And and the Galaxy, for, uh, you know, for all whatever faults they have, they have had among the highest attendance in MLS consistently since they moved into Dignity Health Sports Park. Um, so, you know, without that fan support, I think that makes a huge difference. I, I, I understand the other teams are playing that way too, but perhaps they don't get the the boost from the fans that the Galaxy do. And so when you look at that home record, yeah, they're, they're getting dressed in the same locker room and they're playing on the same turf, but without the fan support there, I, I do think that makes a difference. It, it's interesting to look at the stats, but I, I don't know that you can infer too much, especially in comparing to other seasons when you look at this season. In a lot of ways, we go back to the conversation we had with, with Dan Steris in April or May, and it's like, yeah, they're going to name a champion at the end of the season, but I think you throw a lot of this stuff out. 
Yeah, you can throw it out, but you look at the Seattle Sounders, you look at the Portland Timbers. I mean, are, you want to throw their seasons out too? I mean, I, I'm I'm generally of the agree. Uh, I'm generally in agreement with you that this season is sort of whatever. Um, and certainly with Colorado now not playing games and possibly going to points per game, it's even more whatever. Um, but at the same time, there are teams that are being successful. This LA Galaxy team has so much more talent on it, I think, than 2017. Certainly, you can look at Jermaine Jones. You can look at Yellow Von Dam, You can look at Ramon Alessandrini. Um, you know, you can look at Giovanni Dos Santos. You can look at Jonathan Dos Santos. However you want to look at those. And, and Jonathan, I think, came in mid-season mid, uh, mid in that 2017 season. Um, you can look at all those things and say, well, they did have some talent, but they didn't. Um, and that team was not good. Uh, this team, I've seen them play great soccer. I've seen them play some of the best soccer that I've watched, you know, this year from a whole bunch of different teams. Uh, but that only lasted for four games. And so, um, really, when you're looking at the stats here, what it's saying is that this team is closer to the 2017 team than it is to, you know, being its own thing in 2020. And that's a big problem because with the talent on this field, um, and certainly you don't have Zlatan Ibrahimovic, and you needed to pick up goals from other people uh, in order to make up for that. You have Sebastian Lejet scoring goals. You have Christian Pavel own scoring goals you know you have uh you, you don't have chicharito scoring goals I, I was talking in in one of the group texts that i have and we were talking and we said the la galaxy from the striker position if you don't count christian pavone whenever he would play up there because uh, he's not really a striker we're going to call him a midfielder anyway but from the strikers you from chicharito from ethan zubak you've gotten three goals in 15 games from your striker position that's why this team is failing right now um whether that's gbs not finding a proper position for chicharito which is certainly an argument for me uh whether you're not putting him in a position to succeed or whether it is just fat out failure to perform right now the la galaxy with, with ethan zubak and with chicharito have three goals from the striker position well i, I will say one thing about your argument about you know comparing the i still think it's apples to oranges comparing this season to other seasons given everything that's going on but i will say i talked to one expert uh at the beginning of this whole thing when everybody was going into the bubble in orlando and major league baseball was planning to come back and the expert I talked to said, you know what, don't throw this season out. Don't don't uh, put an asterisk at the end of the season because the teams that win have to overcome so much more. They have to overcome, um, you know, the travel situation, whether you travel uh, like MLS is overnight, uh, you know, up and back in one day, or whether you travel like baseball is and you're quarantined in a, in a hotel in a road city. All the things that you have to go through, playing without fans, you, you know, these are, are – obstacles in addition to the obstacles you're normally dealing with so the teams that that thrive in this and you talked about seattle and toronto you know toronto right now has the highest points per game uh in mls history right uh, so they're having a great season and when you look at toronto remember they played in the tournament they went home they had to play all their games in canada for that first six round uh six game round now they're playing in in uh in hartford connecticut they're not even in their same country anymore and yet they're performing very well, best uh, season on a points-per-game basis in MLS history. Certainly, they deserve to be champions if they were to win. I could say the same about Seattle. But I think when you when you look down at, and, and I'm not trying to give the Galaxy a break, I'm just saying sometimes when you look down at the teams that are at the bottom and struggling and say, well, this is an historically bad season, yeah, it may be statistically, but there's a lot of other things going on. So, yeah, are the, is, do they deserve to make the playoffs right now? They don't. Are they struggling? Yes. Is Chicharito having a horrible season? Yes. But 
I, I would just, I, I tend to just say, uh, give them a little bit more of a break. This is a pretty bizarre season. It's a wacky season for sure. Let's get on with the the wackiness and, and give you just a brief sort of uh, update on Wednesday's game. Uh, the LA Galaxy will take on the San Jose Earthquakes for the fourth time this season. It's on Wednesday, October 14th at 7.30 p.m. This game being played at Dignity Health Sports Park. Uh, Spectrum Sportsnet is where you can find it. Kevin, you going to be at the game? I will be. Are you going to be there? No, no, I don't. I don't you get missed to do, two in a row. I'm, I'm not going to do. I'm not going to do midweek home games right now. Uh, I'm. I'm not going to leave my wife to uh, to fend for herself after working all day, watching a kid, uh, and then uh, having to, uh, to to watch that kid afterwards. I'm glad you admitted that for the public to hear yes. because your baby is now how old? Uh, ten months. Ten months old. Ten months okay. old. So we're, we're getting there. Chicharito's baby is one less than one week old. Yes. Right. Yes. So, well, one week old now today mm-hmm. um, yes. as we record this. So I, I think Chicharito deserves to take all midweek games off as well because his baby's even younger and he needs to stay home with his wife. I, I would imagine I would imagine that he probably can afford the child care that you would need to afford, right? Maybe, you know, you know, have a live-in nanny so that way you can quarantine. I would imagine Ooh, he can no afford live-in that. Na- no, no live-in nannies what? at the time of coronavirus. I, I mean, you, you can just have somebody quarantine for 14 days, get them a test, and then they move into your house, and then now they're part of your bubble. That's, that's absolutely allowable i just can't afford that so uh no i will be there uh for the vancouver sunday game i would imagine um so i'll be there for that game and uh and yeah i mean i'm i'm, I'm happy with those choices by the way uh, i can cover the la galaxy and we've talked about this a little bit with the, with the way that everything is sort of going uh with coronavirus it's almost as easy to cover it from home as it is at the stadium um so you just don't get the yeah. uh, the good gummy snacks that they've been handing no. out or the funyuns so. I've 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 thought about that a lot. You know, it is easier to cover it from home, and you save the drive and and all that. I always just fear that whenever I don't go somewhere, if something were to happen, you know, right. God forbid, something uh, one of the grandstands fell down, or a player ran in the stands, or uh, you know, whatever, and my boss says, you know, how did why didn't you get that? And I said, well, because I was too lazy to drive to the game. Yes, that's my biggest fear. It's sort of a CYA kind of thing. I but I, I just I just put it on the record that I I am allowed to to. to to um, criticize Chicharito all I want, although my dog is named Chicharito. But yes. I can criticize him, but you cannot say anything about any midweek game that he plays in since you're not there. Uh, that's true. Uh, of course, I'm sure. I'll just watch it on Spectrum. I'll be the one person who can watch it on Spectrum. Uh, anyway, the game is on Spectrum Sports, and I just wanted to keep that out. If you want to complain about that, feel free to. I feel like I feel like the LA Galaxy should probably hear it. Uh, Spectrum should probably hear it. Um, and, you know, they're in the last last final throws of this contract for, through the end of, I think, next year. So, um, yeah, do, do whatever you need to do in order to watch that game, um, as always. Uh, I think if you head over on to the corner of the galaxy discord there's always people who are willing to sort of help you out and trying to find how to watch the game so you can do that and the links for the discord are there uh this starts two games for the la galaxy and i think we sort of told us talked about this kevin these two games in this week uh the wednesday sunday wednesday against san jose sunday against vancouver that the la galaxy should win in fact there's no reason that they shouldn't win both of these games these are teams that are struggling and yes uh the la galaxy do like to play down to these teams uh but these are teams that are struggling and but it's teams that the la galaxy should beat at home on their home surface when uh, when everything should really should be going their way. They didn't travel over the weekend. They had the, the weekend off. They get to focus completely on San Jose, then flip the switch and, and focus uh, you know, for Vancouver on Sunday, and they get that extra day on Sunday instead of Saturday. Uh, there's really no reason that the LA Galaxy shouldn't win both these games and get six points. These are the ones that are mandatory to win because after this, the schedule gets a lot harder. Um, Galaxy are on a five-game losing streak. They're on a six-game winless streak. And uh, 
the only games, as we sort of talked about, the only games the Galaxy have won so far this year is a, is a four-game winning streak coming out of the bubble. So uh, that's it. And and San Jose coming off of a loss. Um, and uh, having said that, they're coming off of a loss. Um, but at the same time, they won three of their last four games um, and were winless in eight before that. So, I mean, this is a San Jose team that has sort of been very streaky on and off. Uh, it's a team the LA Galaxy have beat. It's the te- team the LA Galaxy have lost to twice. Uh, this is the fourth meeting. There's there's not any surprises in this game, are there, Kevin? Um, no, but remember, both these teams, uh, uh, despite the fact they are struggling, both these teams are ahead of the Galaxy in the standings, and Vancouver's already beaten them once at home, Dignity Health, uh, Health Sports Park, with fans in attendance. Right. Remember, that was the last game before the break. That was a uh, red card. That was a red card game, too. Joe Corona got a red card in the second half, I believe. So, yeah, that was, I, I remember that game. That was one of the first sort of disappointments that happened, and then that was the last game that we were all there uh, with fans. All right, that was, that, wasn't that a couple of years ago? It wasn't just this year, right? Like was, it. Yeah, I was like um, no, I mean, San Jose, you know, has a good team. They're not scoring a ton of goals. They're, they don't have all these D- goal scorers that are. They're a different team since they changed goalkeepers, too. Yeah, that's true. Um, Marcinkowski came in um, and now has played the last couple of games. He has one shutout, uh, one shutout, 14 saves on 20 shots face. So um, doing a pretty good job. Chris Wondolowski is the leading goal scorer tied with Andy Rios for four goals. Uh, Christian uh, Espinosa has seven assists. Uh, so he's sort of the assist leader. I was trying to say, you know, I was asking people, I'm like, so who do we think, you know, San Jose's best player is? Um, and I'm not sure they have a best player, Kevin, but they play within a system that Almeida has for them and has had, had some success against the LA Galaxy. It's not pretty, but, um, you know, the Galaxy uh, have have struggled with this man marking system that Almeida puts out. Yeah, and it, it, it's interesting because um, – you know, I've seen San Jose give up six goals in a game, and I've seen them shut out teams. Um, I, I do think that this man marking system, because it is so unique, um, some teams struggle with it, and some teams are really able to uh, to uh, take advantage of it. I guess it just sort of depends on the game plan, and the mindset coming in. But it's not a you know, you see a lot of teams playing sort of the four four three that LAFC and Atlanta plays, and I think people have found out ways to defense that. It's still successful at times, but. When you see this Almeida team, it's not a thing that you see often. Um, I, I think it takes a, an awful lot of game planning uh, for opposing coaches. Uh, when it works well, it really frustrates teams. Unfortunately for Almeida, it hasn't worked well very often. Yeah, it, it hasn't. Uh, LA Galaxy again play and host the San Jose Earthquakes. 7.30 p.m. kickoff time. Uh, actually, kickoff time is going to be like 7.37, just in case you wanted to dial that into your clock. Uh, Dignity Health Sports Park, Spectrum Sportsnet uh, is where you can find that game. Well, the LA, oh. Yeah. Yes. By the way, talking about the start of the game, you know, the the teams are still doing the uh, the referee will blow the whistle and then everyone will take a knee, right, for Black Lives Matter, and and then if there's a national anthem, they'll, you know, some teams will take a knee even before that. Uh, I just wanted to say at the LAFC game last night, they were playing Seattle. It was really funny. Um, everybody was on the field. They were waiting for the TV, uh, you know, uh, carrier to come back from the commercial break. So it's, you know, it's it's uh, four four oh seven four oh eight something like that. Players know that it's a TV break. And then the referee blows his whistle, and all the uh, LAFC players drop to a knee, and the Seattle players started a counterattack and started rush at the LAFC net, forgetting that that whistle wasn't to start the game. It yes. was to take a knee. Yes. So the referee had to call everyone back, and they had to start all over again. Uh, all the norms that we get to get used to sort of in these different times. All right, uh, that about does it. I don't think we have anything else. Kevin, you have anything else? You, we we didn't have anything when we started. Yeah, that's okay. Hey, no game the weekend. <laughs> I was glad, by the way, I was glad that I can enjoy just watching the Lakers and not have to worry about a Galaxy game. 
Um, I got to do that. Congratulations, Lakers fans. Um, did they? Did, how the Lakers do? Did they? Yeah, did they I, I heard. Win? I heard they played pretty well. I mean, you know, overall, uh, it was. It, it's interesting just to to sort of piggyback off that though for a second is that you look at the adversity the Lakers went through and just sort of the rallying point that you get whenever you lose somebody like Kobe Bryant um, and his daughter and. You know, we always talk about that extra like one percent that gets teams into championships and stuff like that. Um, the adversity that that Lakers team went through and sort of how they fought through and how they made this, you know, about Kobe. Um, you know, we've seen stuff like that before, um, just not probably on the scale. But you know, those are the motivators that you, that you need. And sometimes there's there's just things that you need to find within a season that that give you that extra edge. Um, you know, certainly in 2014 and, and Luca knows heart and, and AJ Delagars and the team rallying around AJ, um, you know, really propelled that team to be, you know, that 1% better. Um, you know, you can look at just, just little things that sort of have, have had have tipped off the LA galaxy and sort of the, the turning points in the games, um, that have sort of turned things around. And so, um, it's it's interesting to see the Lakers win uh, another NBA championship, getting to 17 now. Um, and so, you know, you look at that and say, you know, what's going to be a spark? Clearly, there was a spark for the LA Galaxy for for four uh, for four games during this. Um, and while I don't want to equate it to you know somebody obviously losing their life that was a that was a, a team legend, um, there are these things that you fight for and you have to find. Um, so what was that spark for those four games? Because that spark during the four games had the LA Galaxy playing, and I had people from around the league texting me saying, "Oh, the Galaxy finally figured it out. They're going to be a good team." And I was like, "Hey, pump the brakes. We don't know what this team is yet." And and that's sort of what we've seen. But clearly there was something. There was some motivational factor that they were able to tap into, Kevin. Uh, and we haven't seen it since. Well, you know, the other thing with the Lakers is they were in quarantine for, for three months there at Disney World. And in fact, when somebody asked uh, LeBron James after the game, they said, LeBron James, you've just been named MVP of the NBA playoffs. What are you going to do now? And he said, I'm leaving Disney World. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Right. I mean, getting out of there. And uh, they showed a video of the of the team arriving back in L.A. And like they got off the plane and they're in Los Angeles and they're like breathing the air and they're like, you know, sort of jumping up and down. I can imagine the, the game is like, finally, we're back. Um, yeah, no, that was that was some some, you know, some really that would be like if MLS was still playing in the bubble in, in Orlando. Um, and so they were those bubbles. They were bubble adjacent um, Two bubbles bubbles adjacent. But I, bet you the, I bet you the NBA guys had nicer rooms. I, I understood before game five that LeBron James. I saw a story that LeBron James actually packed up his suite. Yeah. And the thing I froze on was sweet. Sweet. Yeah. 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 He wasn't in a hotel. He had no. a suite. It's probably yeah. not. And nicer than my house. It, probably. I would imagine so. I would hope it's so, quite honestly, uh, with, with the amount of money those guys are making. So anyway, that was just fun. So uh, Lakers fans, congratulations. All right. If you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter, it's at KBaxter11. And please head on over to LATimes.com for all Kevin's writing about soccer and other things right now, even covering some political stuff. So you can check it, LATimes.com. Make sure you do that. Uh, if you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at Jake Esman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N. And of course, at Galaxy Podcast. CornerTheGalaxy.com is where you can find all of our podcasts podcasts, our articles, our game previews, our recaps, our grading the galaxies, all that fun stuff is right there. Uh, we put a bunch of work into that. So cornerofthegalaxy.com is where you can find that. And for everybody who entered the contest on Thursday night, I'll be going through those and, and assigning winners here shortly. So uh, just hold your breath for a little bit longer as I get everything settled. Probably going to have that stuff go out tomorrow night is my guess. All right. So uh, that does it for Mr. Kevin the Panda Baxter. I'm Josh Pato Guessman. You've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. 
And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. Fans, we thank you for listening, and we ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody. <laughs>